Good morning. I'm going to do the risky and bring up an announcement that I need you to remember to the end of services. So if you can make a mental note, I was asked to remind you that there is a songboard. It's the last thing that you'll see on your way out the door out of the NPR, the multi-purpose room here through those doors. Uh, songs for our song service tonight. And so if you would... Uh, write down the numbers of the songs that you would like for us to lead tonight. There is a theme. He's made everything beautiful in his time. Spiritual blessings uh, in living the committed Christian life. But any song that you would like for us to lead, just write that number down on your way out. Someday is going to be the last day that I live on this earth. That's going to be the case because... Someday, my Lord is going to return. It will either be that day, it will be the, or it will be the day of my death. You know, few of us, if any of us, have any kind of advance warning to let us know when that day is going to be. What we know is what Scripture says, and that is that it is appointed unto men once to die. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 5, all the living know that they will die. I suppose that there are events that can kind of bring our mortality to light if only for a moment. It might be incidents like domestic mass shootings that seem to happen on a regular basis or it could be in the broader scale as we look at our world and we see the ravages of war and the impact that it's having on our world and the lives that are lost, it seemingly in but a moment. Every day when we look at the news, we read about famous people all over the world or people that we know, our neighbors in our own backyard, that have awakened for the last day that they'll ever see. And maybe we live such busy lives that we don't want to be bothered about it, but eventually all of us will be bothered by that reality. If you return in your Bibles to where it was that we were just a moment ago, that's where we're going to spend our time in the lesson today. And in Psalm chapter 90 and verse 10, there's a statement that's made that perhaps is very familiar to us where Moses the writer is speaking and he says that the days of our years are 70, or if by reason of strength they be 80 years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for we are soon cut off and we fly away. Now that statement is made in contrast to the everlasting God that is put in a contrast against the fragile and finite man. And so we read in the earlier part of this psalm, in Psalm chapter 90, in verse 2, Before the mountains were born, or ever you gave birth to the earth and the worlds, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to the dust and say, Return, O children of men. Psalm 90, verse 2 and verse 3. Every day that I live, I realize that I am using up an increment of time. And that with each day which that is exhausted and consumed, there are fewer ahead than there were before the day began. I want you to notice with me that in this psalm, that the psalmist, who is, by the way, Moses, the only psalm that he wrote that we know about in the book of Psalms, in Psalm chapter 90, he mentions our days five times. Do you notice that, starting in verse 9, how he speaks of our days? Then not only does he speak of our days so many times, but he uses other increments like the morning and the years 
And through all of that, he is pointing us to a fact that should be a factor. Since I am faced with the reality that there is a finite number of my days, and someday I will reach the end of them, that should motivate me. As I look at Moses' words, it makes me consider my days more carefully. And so if today was my last day on earth, what would I want to do? First of all, if today was my last day on earth, I would want to know that I had made the most of my time. You know, you see Moses giving to us that rule of thumb, doesn't he, in verse 9 through 11, especially in verse 10, that to us is given 70 years, and if we're strong of constitution, maybe we would say 80 years. And when we think about the history of mankind, there have been things that have shortened life. Maybe it's sickness or it's war. And we look at our own society and we can see that through good nutrition and with proper health care that sometimes we go beyond that span. But that rule of thumb really seems to hold true. That we're given so much time and as we consume it, that amount decreases by that increment that has been utilized. You know, Joe Robinson wrote the book, Don't Miss Your Life. And in that book, he talks about the collective finding of researchers that say that people tend to regret the things that they did not do more than the things that they did. And in illustrating this, he talked about a dragon boat festival that occurs in Orlando, Florida every year. And in the the running of that race, he noticed in the year that he was writing this book that there was a particular boat that was completely uh, rowed by women who were breast cancer survivors. There was one woman particularly on that boat that drew Robinson's attention. She sat at the front of the boat. She was too weak to row. And so all she could do was to beat the drums. This is something that's done to give a rhythm to the rowers. And so he said, I could hear her beating above the sound of everything that was going on. She didn't know if she was going to live to the end of the week. And yet she was doing what she wanted to do up to the very end of her life. She couldn't row, but she could encourage those around her. And his point in that was that she had a passion that was so great that she was going to do it to the end of her life. When we think about our lives that are given to us, what we want to do is be using our passion to the very end of our lives. But we want to do it for the one and in the honor of the one who gave birth to us in verse 2. And so if today were the last day that I had on this earth, I would want to know that I had made the most of my life. But how do I answer that? How do I know if I am making the most of my life? I think there are some questions that I can ask. To make the most of my life, I need to ask, have I been true to the purpose of my life? The purpose of my life, to fear God and to keep His commandments, knowing that this is the whole of man, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, Micah 6 and verse 8. To love the Lord my God with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my mind, and to love my neighbor as myself, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. The purpose of my life is not to find and to fulfill a career. The purpose of my life is not to accumulate the material things of this life. The purpose of my life is not to pursue my personal happiness. 
Scripture informs me that I have a central purpose and I want to make sure that I have lived up to why God has me here. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, He lets me know that that's to use all of my life for His glory in view of that which will be at the end of my days. Another question that I need to ask in trying to ascertain if I have made the most of my life is, have I been a good steward of my life? You know, when I look at that resource that's been given to me, I realize that I've got to be wise in regards to it. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible tells us that we are not to be unwise but wise, making the most of our opportunity because the days are evil. So we must not be foolish but understand what the will of God is. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, the Bible says, Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. God gives me my life, and He expects me to manage that in such a way that I bring glory to Him. A third question that I can ask to ascertain whether or not I am making the most of my life is, Have I committed to His will? It doesn't matter what it is that I say that I believe. My life indicates what it is that's most important to me. Have I committed to His will? Well, I have not if I have not been obedient to the plan of salvation. I want to mention this here because so often what can happen with the plan of salvation is that it's offered at the end of a lesson. And it can be that indication that we have come to the end of the lesson and it's time to disengage and prepare for the song leader who's going to get up and lead us in a song in just a moment. But the plan of salvation is infinitely more of that, especially in light of the fact that someday will be my last day on earth. And it doesn't matter what people say, what opinions there are. What we often say is it's not a matter of who's right, it's a matter of what's right. And if I'm going to commit to his life, that means I will have obeyed his plan of salvation. There is salvation in no other name under heaven given among men whereby I must be saved. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. In light of what we spent a few moments looking at uh, uh, in the Lord's Supper this morning and thinking about the body that was uh, tortured on my behalf, A body and a life that was given for me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 and 10. By his own body, it was substituted for me. And I think about the agony and the pain that he went through in bearing my guilt on the cross. And then when my mind shifts and I think about the blood that he shed and all that the New Testament says that that blood does, he expects me to respond to that grace. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, the grace I could not supply for myself, I could not save myself, I needed him to do that, but what do I do in response to that? Well, that very verse, Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, for by grace have you been saved through faith. Faith in what? Faith in the fact that Jesus is God's Son, that He did come to this earth, and He did die for me, that I might live forevermore. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Unless I believe that He is the Christ, I will die in my sins. John chapter 8 and verse 24. And that faith can't stop there. That faith is not the end point. It's a launching point to do what He wants me to do. Have I repented of my sins? Have I had a change of mind that leads to a change of action? That leads me to do what God's will says that I should do. On the day of Pentecost when Jesus is preached and they're told and answer to their question, what shall we do? They were told, repent, change your mind. That leads to a change of actions, a change of Lord, a change of Master. And Acts 2.41 says that they that gladly received His word did just that. 
They also confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, unto salvation. And they allow themselves to imitate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 6 and verse 4, baptism putting them into Christ. That baptism saving them. Galatians 3.27 and 1 Peter 3.21. Have I committed to His will? Baptism is not the end. Baptism is the first step into Christ. Committing to Jesus Christ means I'm going to live faithfully as long as I'm in this body as a child of God. I'm going to stay on the narrow way that leads to life. Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14, though there are few others with me on that path. A difficult life, but a life in which God walks with me every step of the way. If today was the last day of my life, I would want to make sure that I died a faithful child of God, one who is walking in the light, not one who has turned away from the light and gone into darkness. 1 John 1, verse 6 and verse 7. But second, if today was my last day on this earth, I would want to make sure that I could present to God a heart of wisdom. Steve Jobs was 17 years old when he came across a saying that changed his life and our world forever. The saying essentially went this way, if today was, uh, I mean, live as though today is the last day of your life and eventually you will be right. Live as though today is the last day of your life and eventually you'll be right. And he said that he took that approach to everything in his life that he knew to do and as a result of that he gave us Mac and he gave us Apple And he said, I would ask the question, if I knew that today was going to be my last day, would I want to do what I'm about to do? And he said, if I asked that question and the answer was no too many days in a row, he said, I knew that something needed to change. Man, he made an industry, a world icon. I have no indication that he took that approach to his spiritual life, but we must. When I think about what Moses is saying in Psalm chapter 90, I want to be able to present to God a heart of wisdom. Because in doing so, I'll be prepared for that last day that comes. Well, how do I do that according to Moses? I am to number my days. That word number is very interesting. It means to account out. It means to prepare. It means to set aside in view of its great value. If you walk throughout the Old Testament, you will find that there are certain things that are numbered. That that silver and soldiers and flocks and grains and descendants, they were numbered. And the reason that they were numbered is that there was not an infinite supply of them. And so there had to be a great value that was attached to them. What Moses is saying is is that our days have a finite number and we are to value them, we are to count them out, we are to prepare them. He says we're to prepare to God a heart of wisdom. And so I see a contrast in Proverbs that I must be mindful of. One of the overriding contrasts in the entire book of Proverbs is between wisdom and folly. That if we do not choose wisdom, by default, what we're choosing is foolishness and folly. And and we can look and see how Scripture would tell us what's involved in the life of folly. In the most basic level, right? David in the Psalm says, not once but twice, in Psalm 14 and verse 1, in Psalm 53 and verse 1, he says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. If I live life as if I do not believe that there is a God, I am not presenting to God a heart full of wisdom. 
But another question I might ask is, can I choose to acknowledge that there is a God and still present to God a heart that's not a heart of wisdom? Well, Solomon in the wisdom writing that he does says yes. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 14, if I'm not mindful of my words, if I'm not in control of my speech, he calls that foolishness. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1, if I allow my actions to tear down my home, I'm not presenting to God a heart of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 8, if I choose deceit rather than honesty, I'm not giving to God a heart of wisdom. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 14, if I choose to walk in spiritual darkness, I am not presenting to God a heart of wisdom. Solomon, rather, Moses wants us to look at our lives and to make sure that we have chosen wisdom over folly. Moses shows us that by presenting to God a heart of wisdom, we can say to him, return, O Lord, how long? A heart that is given to God in wisdom is a heart that is ready for God to be back, for his son to return or for death to come. You know, it was often sung by the early church in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20, Even so come, Lord Jesus. At the end of one of Paul's letters, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22, he says, Maranatha, O Lord, come. It was often said by the people of God around the, the time of the coming of Christ in a book called the Didache, there was a prayer that says that the one who is holy, let him come. The one who is not, let him repent. Even so, Maranatha, that is, O Lord, come. Moses shows us that a heart of wisdom is one that says, O Lord, please come, don't delay. If today was my last day on earth, I would want to present to God a heart of wisdom. But if today was my last day on earth, the third thing that I see in Psalm chapter 90 is I would want to be glad. Moses demonstrates that that's exactly what we can anticipate in verse 14 and verse 15. You know, there was a man in the New Testament in Luke chapter 12 that we often refer to as a rich farmer who made provision for his physical life but not for his spiritual one. And Jesus says in that parable to the man who made all that preparation for now but not for eternity, he says, Tonight your soul will be required of you and then who shall these things be which you have prepared? There's no indication of a response by the farmer but there is the indication of another who was filled with regret and sorrow because he had not prepared himself Luke chapter 16 verse 23 and 24 it may be a surprising thing but God wants us to be disturbed and afraid if we're not ready for him to come in James chapter 5 and verse 1, he says to those who were unprepared that they were to weep and howl in making changes because he knew if their heart was not broken that they would be lost. When you look at Psalm chapter 90, you have God's character on display for us. In verse 1, he is our dwelling place, our hiding place. In verse 2 and 3, he is one that's presented to us as the one who is our creator. In verse 4, he is one who is timeless. In verse 8, he is presented to one who is a one who is in, in, in such an insight that he knows all about us. In verse 7 and verse 11, he has this righteousness that's unending. In verse 14, he is full with, of loving kindness. And in verse 17, he wants to demonstrate favor to us. There is a balanced picture of God in Psalm chapter 90. He is not just a God of requirements, but He is a God of redemption. But He allows us to choose. He wants us to be saved, but He will allow us 
to be lost. What Moses is saying here is, at the end of my days, I want to live in view of that side of God's character in response to all that He's done for me so that when I get to the end of my life, I can say, I'm glad. The Apostle Paul is a great demonstration of this. Writing from a prison cell, he says in Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, if I go on living in the body, I'm going to continue to be fruitful in my labors, but I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. He's saying, I have a choice to live or to die, but eventually the choice will be removed. It will be to die. Wilson Bentley was a young man who had a hobby of a warning every time there was a storm to go out into a snowstorm and take a picture of the snowflakes that fell. And this was in the late 1800s when we really didn't know what was a snowflake looked like. And so when a snowstorm began, he would go out with his black velvet and he would catch the snowflakes as they fell. He would put them under a microscope and he would take a picture of them with his specially designed camera. The first snowflake that he took a picture of was in 1885. But by 1931, he had collected 5,381 pictures that he published in a book called Snow Crystals. It was anticipated to be very uh, widely accepted and, and was going to be very popular. But Wilson Bentley was going to do what Wilson Bentley always did. And so there was a snowstorm that winter in 1931. And he ran six miles to that snowstorm taking pictures and he developed pneumonia. And he died on December 23rd at the age of 66 right after the publication of that book. I don't know what you would say is the application of that except for this. Here was a man who from boyhood all the way through was going to pursue his passion. He was going to do what he died doing, what he enjoyed doing. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation 14 and verse 13, the Bible says, Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord from henceforth. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Moses wrote earlier than most of the other Psalms. He's the one, of course, who gave us the old law. He was the one who died looking into the promised land. The one who gives us the first inspired books as we start in our Bible. The first five bear his name and his writing. And even in that earliest period of time, he wanted us to be aware of and appreciate an important fact. And that is that life lasts but so long and we can be prepared. If today was the last day of my life, I would want to know that I had made the most of that life. If today was my last day on this earth, I would want to present to God a heart of wisdom. If today was the last day of my life, I would want to be glad. I don't know who wrote this, but I want to share it with you. A poem that really was behind the thoughts of the sermon that I wrote today. If today was my last day and tomorrow found me gone, how would life be different if that unknown somehow was known? Would I be a better person? Would I live a better life? How much would I feed resentment, envy, bitterness, and strife? How would I choose to live and what would be my emphasis? Being a blessing or being a burden, full of service or selfishness? Where would God be in my life? What place would He occupy if today was my last day and before tomorrow I would die? If today was my last day and second chances all were through, and I stood before my judge and my eternal fate I knew. 
I would mourn and fall before Him if I hadn't done what's right. If I had chosen self and sin. If I had chosen eternal night. But there's no reason for apprehension. I can die with head held high. If I die to self and live to Him, it won't matter when I die. There are some subjects when you approach them you have concern. You know, I wish that every sermon that I preach would be one that was a feel-good sermon, that we could all go out feeling warm and fuzzy. I can tell you this, God wants every single person here to at the end of their life, when their days are done, if this is the day that our Lord chooses to return, or if this is the day that's the last day for us, He wants every single one of us on His right hand. Those who lead this church want that. Those who preach want that for ourselves and for those whom we serve. But isn't it possible in a crowd this size that there are those, if this were your last day, who are not ready? Don't you realize that God wants you to do whatever it takes to get ready? The question is, if today was your last day, would you be ready? If not, in view of the great sacrifice that was given, no question about God's great love, you know that He longs for you to come to Him, whether for the first time in becoming His child or in the need that you may have to be restored to Him. If we can encourage you or help you in any way, we would invite you to come right now as we stand and sing this song.